0: Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. And on today's episode, I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Craig Mathy from Bournemouth Sevens and Steve Jones from Festech. Guys, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you Thank very you. much. As I said, both of these gentlemen, um, even though they're from from two separate organizations, are working collaboratively on the Bournemouth Sevens um, event. Um, And today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at practical uses of technology at events. We'll find out specifically why that's applicable and why that whole subject is relevant to the work that the guys are doing. But uh, Craig, first of all, for our viewers who may not be familiar with Bournemouth Sevens, tell us a little bit about the history of the event and what it actually is.
1: So yeah, um, Bournemouth Sevens um, Festival was uh, founded in 2008. Um, we're coming up to the uh, the 12th year of the festival this year, um, and effectively we, we bill ourselves as uh, as the UK's favourite sport and music festival. Um, and we are um, very proud to welcome sort of 400 teams along to the festival each year, um, taking part in in rugby, netball, dodgeball, hockey, and volleyball tournaments. Um, and they kind of create the center, sort of core ethos of our festival. And um, over the course of the weekend we combine that with a, a music festival um, with kind of a whole host of different party arenas and those kind of things um, welcoming around sort of thirty thousand people to the, the festival over the course of that uh, last may bank holiday weekend um, as I said yeah been, been kind of growing um, year on year since since we launched back in two thousand and eight uh, and the business was founded by uh, Roger Woodall who 's still our CEO. Um, and yeah, we've um, been doing really cool things over the last couple of years, taking away uh, a number of different awards uh, kind of across the sector. And yeah, it's we we really like what we do, and yeah, been delivering it for, for quite a while now. And Steve, as I said at the top of the episode, um, you're the uh,
0: you're the MD of Festech, so you're, you're you're working with um, Bournemouth Sevens, presumably as a supplier. But your role is 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 much deeper than that. Certainly this year, um, give us a little bit of background first of all into Festech and what you guys do.
2: Okay, so Festech is part of uh, PSD Group, which is a a company specializing in uh, communications and technology. Um, we work across a number of different verticals all the way from education to the events industry uh, designing and deploying um, IT solutions, communication solutions specific to those particular areas Um, one area we we excel in is the kind of bespoking of of products and services and you can't really get much more bespoke than the needs of uh, the events industry because because everything is different there's there's the same underlying needs but the deployments are uh, uh, different and, and challenging from event to event which is what keeps things interesting
0: Absolutely. And, and going back to what I said at the start of the episode about um, today's subject, if you can call it that, practical uses of technology at events. Um, Craig, you mentioned you've got, you've got 30,000 people that are, that, that are attending this event now. You've got multiple different sports. You've presumably got hundreds of, of, of participants within those sports, as well as audience members. You're working in what are presumably multiple locations in one particular town. There must be quite heavy reliance on, on various different types of technology to help manage and, and the actual operation side of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've seen the kind of, reliance on technology um grow um particularly over maybe the last five or six years um and that kind of grows from from every facet of the event really so that goes from the planning stages all the way through kind of safety emergency contingency planning um and then specifically kind of into uh, the the live event delivery which i think is is kind of the idea to, to chat around today and kind of taking those practical uses of technology to of ways of improving your own event and making sure that it's delivered sort of successfully and there's a massive range of those they they, they come from things such as scanning people onto site um, which has obviously been a massive thing since the invention of predominantly online ticking ticketing, ticketing um, moving through to cctv which for for many people such as ourselves is a licensing requirement nowadays um, and the expectation to have kind of venue quality CCTV in an out, in an outdoor environment is is very challenging one, and but it 's something that is becoming more and more kind of expected um, specifically to adhere to licensing objectives but also to manage crowd flows to understand what your queues look like, how long people are, have been in the kind of the vicinity of the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, So those kind of nuts and bolts um, are really key things such as uh, EPOS. So across our bar system at Bournemouth 7s, we run our own bars. So we have to put our own kind of till system in with a range of PDQs with the kind of movement of people paying into kind of contactless and uh, getting used to Apple Pay and Android Pay. Uh, And and also this year, we're we're looking at rolling things out such as an app for communicating with the festival audience um, and also to contain the scores from all the different tournaments and to to replace what we done have done historically, which is having things such as like whiteboards uh, with with the rugby tournament scores on them, and actually replacing those with the app and the ability to see how your team 's getting on across the weekend so um there's some lovely bits in that in terms of audience engagement and um, being able to communicate with your audience and effectively market them sort of across the 12 months of the year. Um, but also, as I, as I kind of alluded to before those references, it's, it's about keeping people safe, keeping the event functioning, keeping it moving smoothly and, and securely, really. Um, and without technology, we couldn't do that. We genuinely couldn't. And it's... Um, it's really important for us, and I guess the the flip side of that as well is we're still an independently owned festival we don't have massive kind of um, live nation style budgets to um, to throw at delivering technology at events so every kind of penny we spend into managing our event be it in marquees or whatever, has always got to be really effectively kind of thought out. So um, often the tech sector, I think, comes to you with an idea which may cost a fortune and we're just not in the place to do it. But we have to look at solutions which are cost effective. They actually have a positive impact on delivering the event um, and uh, and are practical as well. And, and I guess, Craig, uh, uh, Craig, this is where Steve comes in with, with
0: Festech and, and taking a, a, a bigger role in terms of the operation side of things at the event is when we talk about making things you know um, not just practical but actually having a definite cost benefit and being able to justify the investment that goes in there you have to make sure that you're using those systems in the most efficient way possible and to the absolute best uh, you know, the potential that that system op- operates and offers um Steve when you uh you know first worked with Bournemouth 7s uh, how has your sort of a, a client relationship developed into a point now where you're, you're essentially part of the team there
2: it's evolved year on year. So my first involvement with Boredom seven Sevens was, was, was without the tech hat really was from the event controller side of things. Um, and that's a role I continue to adopt um, to date. Um, but I've... Um, Always been working with the business I'm working with, although without the focus on the event side, um, so the technology side. So I've been um, watching and learning from those who have come in, come and gone over the years as far as the technical side goes. And along with the understanding that I've developed of the event and the way it works, been able to adapt our offering um, to make sure we can deliver um, relevant uh, technology. I think that's the, that's the key. Um, first and foremost is developing the um, a, a robust. Uh, backbone network for the entire thing uh, without having that in place No matter what you're going to put on top of it is is not going to work properly um, and, and avoiding the whole tech for tech sake type of idea um, I'm, I'm quite forward in that if I don't think something's going to work um, Or isn't going to work properly um, I'll make a suggestion that perhaps we don't go down that road or, or that we, we adapt it a- until it does um, so the, the core network is our key um, and we layer those services on that network. So um, top of the pile or bottom, whichever way you're looking at it um, is the safety side of things. That is the layer that has to work um, regardless of, uh, of what happens. So this is your CCTV and any communications, because we run a voice communication network across the site as well, um, allowing access to uh, people from outside to call in for us to call out for emergency services for cash office, that sort of thing. Um, and then you layer the other bits on top of that. So um, EPOS is going to be the next layer on top, um, because at the end of that, without that, there is no event. The event's not taking money. And then the the, 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 the top and the, I suppose the, the least important in terms of the event uh, running smoothly um, is, the, is the customer engagement piece at the end of the day the event can still run if there is no public Wi-Fi um, but equally it's making sure that we have the priority set across across the network for that but we need to make sure that we never impact on the safety critical services.
0: What, one thing we've not identified yet Craig um, is the actual venue itself. And that will certainly perhaps help paint a picture to people listening or watching today's podcast about what we're talking about when we talk about multiple venues, multiple sites across a a large area. Um, Just paint a picture of the actual venue itself, whereabouts it sits within Bournemouth and, and what the actual venue is.
1: Yeah, so Bournemouth Sevens takes place on a Bournemouth Sports Club, um, which is a sixty-five acre sports uh, facility, um, just on the edge of uh, on the edge of Bournemouth, in actually in a small town called Christchurch, um, and we've been running there since we launched. Um, it's an amazing facility, um, which is used for the balance of the kind of the year um, as a sporting facility. So it has just a plethora of rugby pitches, football pitches. Um, AstroTurf and kind of a whole host of that sort of thing so we re- recondition some of that we we don't have football at Bournemouth 7 so we use those pitches as campsite um, but we have um, we have as I said eight rugby pitches, two hockey pitches, 12 netball courts, um, ultimate frisbee and dodgeball as well as I mentioned sort of in the introduction so the the facility is an amazing one it's probably quite different from your typical outdoor event location it's not kind of agricultural land um and we benefit from that in some really practical ways um things such as kind of drainage and all those kind of bits as well that maybe are are issues in bad weather but um from a technology point of view um it's uh it's it's in its natural state it's in the dark ages um so it runs with a a four meg ADSL BT line, um, which um, which just isn't fit for purpose for so actually one of the things that we had to do um, very on in the piece of, of working with um, Steve and his team is identify a way to get connectivity into the event. And we use a, a local wireless provider um, called Wide FM who are able to give us sort of 100 meg in, in place of that four meg and and actually that 's a, a critical part of what we do as well, so I mean very much the approach that we like to take here is is working in partnership with people and building uh, relationships with with local companies that can help deliver um, services on site I think um, there's a there 's a tendency in events well generally to to focus on maybe two or three of the kind of national providers or the most well-known, um, and we we have worked with those in the past, and we do work with those kind of individuals across some sectors. Um, but for us, probably one of the real wins in this process was um, being able to engage Steve and his team at Festech because they're based locally and because they understand our event and our locality and. Um, uh, not that they ever do, but if you forget a piece of kit, it's ten minutes down the road. It's not it's not arriving next day on a on a on a delivery. So um, that's been a real benefit for us and a really nice kind of starting place for the relationship. And it also means that we can do things where um, the planning is so integral to the actual effective delivery of the service on site. So it's your your delivery is only as good as your plan. And being able to work again locally to kind of to conceive the ideas and conceive the concepts and test things is really a, a, great, a great way to do things. And on that note,
0: when you're talking about the practical uses of technology at an event, uh, uh, it sounds like we're not just talking about the operations whilst the event is live, but presumably now in its 12th twel- or approaching in the 12th edition, you're gonna be able to reflect back on previous years and information that you've gathered using this technology over the last two, three, four, five years in order to look at it. And when I refer to the CCTV that you have to put in as a licensing requirement, um, Steve, you pointed out that that's a safety measure, but it can also be used an operational measure in future planning, can't it? If you look back on footage and you can see where certain pinch points were or how people moved from a certain part of the site to another part of the site, that can be a sure site planning for the, pre- for the next year.
2: Yeah. One thing I've found through the years of working with all the sevens pre-Festech and and during is that no year is the same. There there are lessons that I learn every year. And the nice thing is that the team will implement those improvements. And it's I think I think every year the phrase, wow, that went even smoother (laughs) than last year. And we thought the previous year was smooth, you know, happened, which is just testament to to the level of planning that the guys do um, from an event deployment perspective because it just makes so much of a difference. But having that historic information is, is very useful. You're right.
1: Yeah, I think just one, one other point, if I may in there as well as um, scanners. So we, uh, we work with Eventbrite on our ticketing and use their kind of their scanning platform to be able to to monitor people and work out when people are arriving. And we use that data kind of day-to-day in, in our planning for staffing levels and working out at which, at which points of the day are we're gonna be most busy with actual ingress into the event site. Um, so that data and that, that is absolutely key to delivering the event successfully in, in future years as well. So. Mm. I, know, I know it's moving a little bit off the technology side mm. of it, but um, it's a question
0: that raised my curiosity when you mentioned about the sensitivity of the site, the fact that it's not, you know, a farmer's field um i'm not suggesting that events that run on farmer's field can leave it in any state but you're dealing with what sounds to be like very very well kept sports pitches on a very very sort of well-established sports complex um mm-hmm. how important is it to sort of be sensitive to what that site is used for for most of the year when it comes to pitching up tents and getting vehicles on and off site um how is your planning affected by
1: the type of facility that you're actually working on yeah, 100%. I think it has um, it has numerous positives. Um, as, as I said, um, the benefit of it being on sports grounds is the pitches all have French drainage underneath. So um, it, like the, the site drains amazingly well. So bad weather is probably less of an issue than it would be maybe in an agricultural site. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. We have to look after it. We have to treat it well. And um, we put obviously all the hard infrastructure that you'd envisage going into a festival site down. So um, temporary roadway, aluminium roadway, Maybe that you kind of those kind of things. Um, also make sure we have kind of suitable facilities to get around the site and not cause damage to the grounds. Um, we have to have a kind of a few specific rules which are probably slightly different to other events. So we don't allow um, kind of glass or cans onto our campsite um, because, as I mentioned a, a little bit earlier, our campsite is football pitches for the balance of the year. Uh, so as soon as as soon as kind of a smash bottle ends up in the grass it's it 's not there during the the pickup process, but it it sort of shows its head maybe six months later mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's that's really important. Um, we do have some really practical solutions we We run uh, metal detectors over the campsite and the GLAMP site after we've finished with the cleanup operation to make sure there 's no metal left in the ground um as I said, and then just practical measures such as having a, a really skilled and uh, committed litter picking team who who care about as, um, uh, as much about the site as we do, um, making sure that it's left probably in um, a better state than we found it on in some occasions as well. So, yeah, it is a really important part of the process. Going back to the technology side of things, Steve, um, you said something that interested
0: me earlier, which is, you know, not using tech just for tech's sake. Um, and there are perhaps events who could be um, looked at as being guilty of deploying tech where they maybe don't really need it or maybe don't even know how to deploy it properly and effectively. It can actually cause more issues than it's actually solved. Um, as, a, as an event, um, do you get approached by other suppliers of technology who might want to see their tech deployed at your event? And what would the vetting process be when you're looking at a new way of doing something?
2: I suppose the most obvious time that happens is when there are other providers that are providing service, for example, AV and things like that, that perhaps want to start using uh, lumps of wireless spectrum across the site to, uh, to, to fire a video signal over to, to a big screen or something like that. Um, And uh, without wanting to sound too geeky in this sort of environment, wireless spectrum is one of your, one of your biggest commodities because you need as much bandwidth as possible but it needs to be stable Um, and uh, if things aren't deployed properly outside of your network then you can wipe out huge chunks of a safety critical network by trying to fire a video signal at a big screen so um, our our view is very much to work as closely as we can with everybody that's on site and if there is a problem don't just say there's a problem, deal with it. It's to work out a solution. Now, if that means we do need to move part of our network out of the way to, to make way for them, it's in the greater good of the event. So that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, from a technology side of things, um, you will get the odd approach from, uh, from people looking at particular ways of doing things. Um, and the first thing we would do is, is look at the, the value from an event's perspective for what that piece of technology is going to do so uh, there's various bits of technology out there to do sort of heat mapping and and things like that and most of that revolves around um, historic heat mapping Um, on a distributed event like this um, the value of that information depending on how it's deployed can really vary Um, and also the the added overhead that that can add can can have an effect so it's really looking at the overall value at the end um, and then making room for that within the deployment in order to make sure it's, it's done sensibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How, yeah. how would you how would you utilize the systems that you've now got at your disposal, Craig, on a day to day basis when the show is actually live? Um, will you debrief at the end of each day and actually utilize some of these systems to make changes for day two, day three, et cetera?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're constantly re- like the, as I mentioned earlier, scanner numbers, entry numbers will give us a really clear indication of how many, how many of our suspected audience have arrived or are, are still to arrive. And that will influence kind of patterns. Um, also looking into uh, wider macro systems that give us a clue in terms of weather and uh, what that's going to look like as well. And we're, we're doing a lot of work this year in terms of revamping our control room. Um, to mean that all the information that we have coming into that space um, is visible to everyone kind of located in, in that area. And um, the multi-agency control room that we operate is is kind of one of the real success stories of the safety side of Bournemouth Sevens. And that's kind of ridden on the back of technology um, and being completely honest and having that visibility of, um, of what's happening, where, how it's happening, monitoring weather and incoming kind of um, any whether instances or anything like that is, is all really kind of part of it. And the communication that comes out of that makes the event run kind of safely and effectively. Um, and just for me, just picking up on um, kind of technology that you kind of get sold in um, a lot. One of those for me is um, is project management software um, and those kind of things which we're, to a certain extent, sort of inundated with um, with with new offerings and new providers and new suppliers. Um, and for me, I, I, I've tried a few of them, and uh, and they're not. I've never found uh, many things which are kind of custom fit to the events industry. The events industry is such a unique beast um, in terms of how it operates that understanding it and tailoring that into into a package or a piece of software is a challenge. Um, that's coming from someone who's feverishly loyal to uh, to google docs and uh, and spreadsheets and those kind of things, um, but this year uh, we are giving um, we track a guy uh, a go sorry um, and that's a piece of software like an instant management software and also look to replace some of the kit that we 're using with with run sheets so um, but again uh, often it requires a a partnership approach in the first year of working with someone like that when you're a small business or an independent festival you need both the the organizer and the supplier to go We see that this could develop into something really cool. We're prepared to take a bit of a a calculated gamble on either side to to roll the event. It reduces workload rather than increasing workload because there's always that risk that you spend more time um, processing stuff or moving stuff into another system when it's not actually saving you any, any time or energy. Absolutely. And when we talk about efficiencies, Steve, going back to what we said at the very start, about making sure
0: that it's, it's, it's an efficient use of, of systems, um, most events now will work across multiple different systems, won't they? So when we're talking about efficiencies, it's not just the practical benefit of what a particular system brings to a show operations, but it's also about how efficient those multiple systems can work with each other and you're not increasing the workload of people who are having to use those
2: systems. I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's, there, there's, a, there's a huge reliance and there's often two very similar platforms for example that could be used by two sides of the event organization team Um, and and that's purely because as Craig was saying you've you've always got a group of people that are fiercely loyal to google docs or things like that and and actually there is a a lot of scope for taking a bit of a step back and trying to do some integration in that because the level of communication that can be done on a a single software platform um, can actually save a huge amount of time Um, more so than the perceived time difference that some people may say well learning how to use this what I'm doing or adapting it and they have to get used to it and see it and go actually yes this is saving me a huge amount of time and making things more efficient.
1: Yeah. I think as the WeTrack example that I used just earlier um, we sort of using that to replace systems different logging systems that we as an event use which our security provider use which our medical provider use which our health and safety team use and consolidating those into one um, and everyone using the same system and having visibility of that system for me that's a practical implication of technology and that's actually how it does work and how it does benefit your event um, the proof will be in the pudding with with that system and i've, I've got n- no kind of real concerns about it but it is new for us so so we'll, we'll kind of come out the other side of the festival and understand the, the impact that that's had. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and that kind of comes back to the whole kind of emphasis of what we've been talking about: it's ways that you can use kit and ideas to make things easier rather than just doing them for the sake of it. Sure.
0: And sometimes when we, when we talk about using things um, effectively and making life a little bit easier, um, again, from experience, you can see events have sometimes deployed new technology and gone all in. And they've tried to use every facet of that particular system in the first year. And that's where they'll fall down. Um, there's a lot to be said uh, for, for, for maybe going, you know, a little bit softer into stuff like this. And as you're I mean, alluding to with WeedTrack saying, look, we appreciate it can possibly do this. But the first year, why don't we just use it for this and then exactly make that. It work properly and then evolve
1: yeah, and that's that's supplier-wide. That's not just technology. So whenever we start working with a new uh, a new fencing provider or a new toilet provider or a new audio contractor, we'll say, actually, um, and we're doing it this year with audio, actually, let's put a few little PA systems in to look after our sporting tournaments. Um, let's take those off and know where we might grow to, to kind of work together in the future. And I think that's a really kind of practical example. And coming up to the 12th year of Bournemouth Sevens, that's something that we've really liked. We are fiercely loyal in terms of who we operate with, and um, some of our contractors we've been working with since the first year of the festival. But we do kind of keep constantly evolving them and making sure that they are um, everyone remains on their game, which is really important because it's easy to kind of get stale and uh, and kind of get stuck in, in a pattern. Um, so we're always looking at contingencies, ways that people can. Uh, we can work with different companies to work on different areas. Um, effectively, that's how we started working with Steve. Steve was on site as a controller and solved a few kind of technical issues from us uh, with, our, with our old provider of the on-site network. Um, and that kind of led into a conversation that said, well, actually, could we do it? Could, could we work together on it? And you never know where those kind of in business, where those relationships might develop from kind of starting at a, a sensible and manageable level. Absolutely. And from a business point of view, in
0: terms of the locality, the, you know, the geographical location of the event itself, mm-hmm. you mentioned very briefly about working with, with suppliers who are quite you know, local to the area. And when you talk about the AV side of things and maybe bringing in some smaller contractors to deliver certain elements, it brings that ownership, doesn't it, to, the, to, an, to an event? It's good for everybody, for local businesses, for the local economy, for
1: everybody that's involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're really proud of that. And um, working local is, a, is, in my opinion, is a really sensible way to go. There are particular areas where it makes sense to work with experts from across the country, and we're really proud to do that. But. Um, But actually some of our best and our kind of our favourite suppliers are local and it is because they care. They they care more because it's on their doorstep and um, people like Marquis who we've worked with since the first year of the festival, Wolf Lighting, um, I can literally just reel them off. Um, We've built relationships with these companies. and they they've started small with us and they've grown and grown and grown um festech is another example obviously working with steve and we have a very similar relationship with um, a company called county epos who provide our tills on site and they're based locally um so just working local and intelligently i think is a really nice way to do it on a on a practical level with bigger stuff it makes sense on transport terms and all those kind of things as well so and um, we're proud to be um a slightly different event and a slightly different business model that's um, that's working in its own way and being independent means that we effectively our small team of seven that are in the office day to day can make the call on who's the right person to work with um, and doesn't get kind of bundled up in bureaucracy trying to change a supplier or something like that.
0: Sure. We've been joined on the podcast today by Craig Matthew and Steve Jones from the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. The festival itself, uh, if I'm right in saying is the 24th to the 26th of May 2019. That's the uh, end of May bank holiday weekend, uh, if memory serves me. Um, If people want to find out more about the festival and the event, Craig, how do they get in touch with you guys?
1: yes so um, we are really easy to find online so we're at bournemouthsevens.com, um and we're kind of across social media as well so um, tickets are available they're still on sale they're going exceptionally well um, and yeah we have a kind of a whole host of opportunities for people to come along whether they want to come along and play in the sport and as i mentioned we've got those five different sports taking place over the weekend 400 teams and sort of five thousand players in those but um, if you just want to come along and watch or make the most of the and just a truly amazing festival atmosphere, then uh, then general admission tickets are available as well. And um, people can come along for the day or camp with us or glamp with us and, and make the most of a sunny weekend, fingers crossed, uh, down in Bournemouth over that late, uh, last Maybank holiday weekend. Fingers crossed for some good weather for you guys. I know it's, I know it's always a, a, you know, a moot point when it comes to
0: festivals and outdoor events in the UK, but uh, I always say f- fingers crossed for some good weather for you. Best of luck to okay. it. Um, if you're watching uh, today's episode of the podcast via com, head over to your chosen podcast platform and download the audio-only versions of the podcast. We've got versions going back right to the start of the Event Industry News podcast. Uh, great to listen to on your commute. To and from work. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, hop over to eventindustrynews.com where you can see a video of today's podcast and you can also check up on the latest news and features from Event Industry News. Um, Thanks very much again to our guests today, Craig Matthew and Steve Jones from the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. My name is James Dixon and we'll see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye.